Our final speaker is Evan Howard. He's an Australian who was born and raised in Canada who thoroughly enjoys the remote wilderness of the world. From places such as Alaska to New Zealand, he finds inspiration in the stories of exploration and scientific discovery of yesteryears. Evan. Thank you everybody for having me. Um, but geez, you know, you can, you can take the boy out of Canada. But uh, this is awesome. Roz, I'll bore it for a sec if I can. Uh, I did see though it's Louisville Slugger, so it is a yank stick. Um, so it's only worth a silver medal if you're uh, in the ladies. <laughs> And it's not even worth a bronze if you're with the men. Um, and yeah, for the camera guy, get this one on the website. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. That'll be great. Louisville Slugger. I thought they made baseball bats. but Well, my story here is uh, I came to the season finale. Uh, it must have been last November. Uh, and I know Aaron quite well. And uh, I was really inspired by the stories that I heard and thought it was really neat. And the whole thing that was happening was really cool. So... I told him, I said, well, you know, if you ever want a speaker, uh, I'd be happy to do it. And he laughed at me. And I, I started laughing too, because I thought that's what you had to do. So I was off on a trip. So I've spent the last two months uh, in Alaska uh, doing some backcountry skiing. Uh, and it's winter up there, so it's good and nippy. Uh, and then a bit of ice climbing in BC, where, I'm, uh, where I grew up. So I'm not much of a scientist, um, but my story would maybe be adventure. I, I really like it. And as uh, the intro said, something about Bear grills. I'd uh, I try to distance myself from that. Uh, if I run out of food, I don't eat camel dung. I just suck up that I didn't eat, didn't bring enough food and uh, accept that I will be hungry. So because I don't do too much scientific activity, I never really had a hero of science. So when Aaron sent me the email that I got when I was in Alaska, I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I got to figure something out. And being a child of the 90s, uh, I immediately thought of uh, Donatello, um, and not the Renaissance sculptor, but the Ninja Turtle. He, you know, always doing something with computers and mixing up here, the things here and there, and just to defeat the Shredder. Um, so I thought, no, that, that I couldn't talk for 10 minutes, because my favorite's actually Michelangelo. Um, and then Roger Easton uh, came to mind, and him and a team of two others are actually the fathers of the global positioning system, and that plays a large part in my life. Uh, it keeps me uh, on the right track when I'm not dead reckoning by the way the mountains are looking or which way the wind's blowing. Um, but again, there's probably no less than 45, maybe a little more GPS systems in this room right now. Um, so I can only imagine what would happen when the uh, guy in the military in the States goes, no, off we go. I think people are going to be driving everywhere up the wrong way streets, and God knows all the pandemonium that'll happen. Um, so I <laughs> went through and read a bunch of stories and, and just tried to pick somebody really cool. And the guy I've uh, decided with is a guy by the name of Asper, Aspley, sorry, George Bennett Cherry Gerard. Five names. The last two are hyphenated, so they might only count as one, but I will get the first name right eventually. He is my hero now. This guy, uh, he took part on a little trip called The Winter Journey, uh, and it's now published in his book, which is called The World's Worst Journey. Uh, it was National Geographic's number one book of adventure a couple years ago, and that's for all time, but it was a couple years ago. Um, so I'll set the scene for this one. It's 1911. Um, Darwin's theory, um, Origins of Species, is, is just about 50 years old, give or take. Um, the Conquest of Everest by Tenzge Norgay and um, Edmund Hillary, still 40-some-odd years off. 
And Machu Picchu is actually rediscovered during this little journey that uh, Aspley takes part in. Um, so yeah, really much of the physical world is still unexplored at that time, which is quite exciting. I mean, a few generations late, it seems. Uh, so we find our, our heroes, uh, they're a part of the British Terra Nova expedition, and we're at Cape Evans in Antarctica. Um, this expedition has the goal of to put the British man to the South Pole first, and that guy is Robert Falcon Scott. So some of you might know the story of Scott already uh, and how it ends. But um, Now, the reasons uh, for our hero's adventure is the chief zoologist uh, that accompanied Scott on many trips was a guy by the name of Edward Wilson. Uh, he visited Antarctica in 1904 and 1901 on a previous expedition where he sighted the emperor penguin. You know the documentary Happy Feet? Are they dancing? Those ones. Now, Wilson uh, was a f follower of the uh, recapitulation theory. I'm, I'm, I'm probably saying that wrong, but it's a big word. I decided to throw it in there. Uh, and that was presented by a guy, again, Haeckel, 1886. Uh, and this theory, I had honestly no idea what it was. So I went to Wikipedia. I still had no idea what it was. But luckily, there's a Wikipedia simple, which is perfect for me on this sort of thing. And it states that the... Um, this theory is the embryonic development of an organism follows the same path as the evolutionary history of the species. That's why apparently humans have some vestigial gills at some point in the embryological cycle. So interesting. Um, with the thought that the penguins, being a flightless bird, are extremely primitive, there could be an embryological link between the penguins and reptiles. Now, when I hear reptiles, again, I go, child and I, turtles, ninja turtles. I can't go past it. Michelangelo nunchucks, wicked. So we've got our adventure set. It's to retrieve these penguin eggs. And the beauty of this is that the penguins, the emperor penguins, they nest in the Antarctic winter, the depths of the Antarctic winter. I think that was covered in uh, Morgan Freeman's show, March of the Penguins, that was another good one. That one was fiction though. So they assemble a crack team of three people to go after these eggs. Uh, one is uh, the zoologist, Edward Wilson. The other is uh, just a signed-on expeditioner for the trip. Uh, his name is Henry Bowers. Uh, and then, of course, there's our hero, Aspley. Um, he has the title of assistant zoologist. Now, if you're on an, uh, any expedition anywhere and you have a title of assistant, that means you paid money to go. And he paid a roughly uh, about 1,000 pounds back in 1911 to take part in this trip, so no small uh, sum. So teams together, they're all ready to go. They know where they're going. It's 100 kilometers away from the base of the uh, expedition proper, and it's July, so they've got time to kill until the pole journey, which is going to be in the Antarctic summer, still half a year away. So I can imagine that they have their last cup of tea in their little shanty hut and um, saying, God save the queen, or, or 1911, God save the king, I guess, change the lyrics. and. Off they go, jolly ho. Uh, now, they would have just walked out into the darkness, uh, complete and utter darkness and cold. Uh, these conditions are, are hard to describe. It's, they are so brutal. Your clothes in those days would freeze. Um, your sleeping bag would freeze. Everything is frozen. Everything is cold. Everything is 
dark. There's no light in what you can produce. We're talking minus 40s Celsius to minus 70s without wind. Now, Antarctica is the windiest place on Earth, and it is unrelenting. My personal experience is my best is minus 35 into a headwind, pulling a modern sled, which is plastic, glides easily across the snow at those temperatures because the, the snow in those temperatures are very granular. It's like sand. So if you can actually get a bit of momentum, it will start to move. But it, it can get difficult, especially when your sled is old school and it's on wooden runners. You're carrying God knows what kind of cast iron scientific equipment. So when you're in those type of temperatures, it's um, different for everybody. I know I love it, especially when I get out of them and I go, wow, that was really cool. Literally, that was really cool. And, but when you're out there, a lot of times you're just going, why am I somewhere where the air hurts my eyeballs? I mean, th this is ridiculous. And what am I doing here? But like I said, after you put your goggles on or something, you're fine. It's great. So it took them a, a good amount of time, about five days to go 100 kilometers, which is not too bad. They set up their base camp uh, over at a place called Cape Crozier, uh, and that's where they built a little stone igloo, put some canvas over it for the roof, and they used their tent to store their gear. So it's, a, it's an interesting setup, and, and probably they had all their reasons why to do it like that. But and then they were off to uh, go and pilfer these uh, eggs from the, from the emperor penguins. So off they went on their little journeys. And again, I'm not even going to start trying to describe how difficult these were. They're going up ice falls, down ice ridges, across crevasses, which will swallow houses whole. Uh, it's just the, the, the objective dangers are almost today unacceptable to take. So they collect five eggs. And uh, our hero somehow manages to break just two. So we're down to three emperor penguin eggs. And they, they, they're going to hang tight and get a little bit more. But it's the night of July 22nd. And I'm, I'm guessing someone must have checked their clock because it's when it's always dark, who cares if it's night or day? It's just you're either up or asleep. Um, and they get, a, they get a blizzard, a blizzard of doom. This thing is, this thing is bad. It rips the canvas off the top of their igloo, and that's gone forever. And the tent as well, whew, gone. Now, it was only last August where, unfortunately, uh, there was a group of three guys up on the um, Greenland ice cap. They're setting up the tent, big gust of wind, whew, off goes that tent. Uh, the guy died about two hours before the rescue chopper was able to get in, uh, unfortunately. Now, for our hero and uh, his companions, there's not going to be another rescue chopper. Even their mates uh, at camp, they're not going to come find them. So they only have one decision. When you have no shelter in a place like that, you're, you're going to be dead very quickly. So the only thing they can do is just try and get as close to home base as they can. So they, s they start back. They get their three eggs, and they start going. And I'm not much of a man of God, but uh, when you're out in these places, there is very much spiritual aspects without sounding too uh, hippie. Um, but 800 meters away from camp, their tent is caught by a guy line on one of the ridges of ice. Uh, a stronger gust of wind, a different angle of wind, and that tent would have been gone forever. But now they have a bit of hope. So with that, they, uh, morale is lifted, uh, and uh, they continue on. They stumble, three quarters frozen, back into Cape Evans to uh, heroes welcome with their comrades, and all seems pretty jolly. So once they're back, Edward Wilson, head zoologist, and Henry Bowers are selected to join Robert Falcon Scott on his trip to the pole. 
most of you may know what that means for them. Asper, Aspley, gotta get my hero's name right, he is put on the supply depot run. That's a decision that saves his life. Well, Wilson and Bowers, they, uh, they perish with, Paul, uh, with uh, Scott on return from the pole with the knowledge that Admundsen, the Norwegian, had beat them by weeks. So it's quite disappointing there. And now our hero, he records all of this. He survives, he gets back to England, and he writes all this down, and he sees things that I can only trying not to imagine seeing, I suppose is the way to put it. He is on the team that goes and finds Scott's tent and the, the men that have uh, frozen inside of it. And Scott and Wilson, the zoologist, uh, had been uh, lifelong mates. They've been good friends for a, a very long time. And it's quite moving to read the account of when they go into the tent. And Scott, apparently, was probably the last to die. Had his arm around his friend, Wilson. And even from there, the story for uh, poor Aspley here, he uh, doesn't seem to get too much better for him. Uh, it takes another little while to get back to England, and they're finally back in England in 1913. Um, so 1913, what's happening? Rather large disagreements about to occur in Europe in the, in the following year. Uh, go for a little while. Um, and Aspley presents the eggs that he's carried all this way from the Cape Crozier back to Cape Evans, across the oceans, all the way back to England, to the uh, British Museum of Natural History at the time. And they look at them and they really don't care. They, they're just a bunch of eggs from somewhere. Um, Aspley, he develops depression and uh, what we would now diagnose as uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. So it, it doesn't, uh, doesn't improve for the poor fellow. Um, and then finally, by 1934, the research on the eggs and the embryology uh, comes to light. By that time, the recapitulation theory basically dismissed, and the theory and the idea that the emperor penguin eggs could somehow bring us back to ninja turtles, uh, reptiles, is completely out the window. So, Aspley Cherry Girard, to me, he saw many things that uh, I don't even want to think about. And uh, him and his late companions, really, the effort and the, the physical endurance, the mental stress, and just the incredible lengths that they would go to try and add just a little bit, anything they could, to the human pool of knowledge, whether it was going to be big. Maybe there was that chance that the emperor penguin egg would be the link between dinosaurs. And who knows? But the, the lengths that they went to just to tr put that drop of knowledge into the human pool of knowledge really inspires me. And that's why I chose Mr. Ger Cherry Gerard as my hero of science. Thank you.